Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome back to the kitchen table. We are talking about prayer. We're talking about why prayer is a must. It's a non-negotiable as mothers. The Lord has really been working and moving in my life over the conversation between Him and me on this topic of prayer over the last eight or nine years. I shared last week in the episode a little bit about why I wrote Warrior Mama's Prayers Journal, why that was something that I so desperately needed. But this week, I want to talk to you about two places that the Lord showed me I was believing a lie about my prayer life and how He set me free. Because perhaps you might be also believing these lies. Because so many of the moms I sit and talk with believe these lies, I've become convinced that they're really good weapons that our enemy uses in our lives to convince us that this part of prayer is either unnecessary, shouldn't happen, or is maybe even unhelpful. So what I want to share today is that the first lie I was believing about prayer, my prayer life, was that there were some things I should just know how I should just be able to handle. I should just know how to do them. I was equipped enough. I should just deal with those areas. I would begin to believe that this part of motherhood, whether it was something like, oh, potty training a child or teaching a child to sit still at the table or teaching a child how to read. Like these areas of motherhood were just things that I was supposed to possess the right skills in order to be able to manage and move them forward with my child. And God radically transformed this and convinced me that there was nothing that he expected me to come to the table already knowing, already having mastered. There was no part of my motherhood that he didn't want to be the imprint on. And that my prayer life was the way that God would lay his hand on that part of my motherhood. That when I would invite him into those areas, when I would say, God, help me here. What should I do? He was more than eager to come and help and walk alongside and give me the wisdom I needed, give me the discernment I needed. And yes, most of the time, especially like with the, those instances that I just named of teaching a child to read, teaching a child to go to the bathroom, teaching a child any kind of self-control, I needed massive creativity, both for communication 
and for just how I was going to go about doing it because I had eight kids and not a single one of them learned those things and many other things the same way. They all had to be taught differently. And so I found, though, in Scripture that Jesus knew. He knew that as moms, we would wrestle this out and feel like, gosh, this is just something I'm just supposed to know how to do. Or I'm just supposed to go and find the answer somewhere and just go about and do it. And I think he's shared this parable with even you and me on his mind when he was talking about prayer. So the parable is found in Luke 11. And in Luke 11, Jesus is teaching about a man who came to his neighbor's house in the wee hours of the night. Like, and, he, and Jesus says, everybody's in the bed and this man began to beat on his neighbor's door. And the reason he beat on his neighbor's door is very interesting to me. See that it says here in Luke 11, verse 5, it says, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, although he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, he will, because of his impudency, rise and give him whatever he needs. You see, in that culture, in that day, basic hospitality said that you always had bread on hand to care for somebody who came to you, a visitor to your home. So the fact that this man had no bread is... It, like it's, he should never, it was, it's a failure. He should have had bread. And then he goes banging on his neighbor's door after hours. Like everybody knows everybody's asleep because back then, I mean, it's not like you can stay up and watch TV. They were all in the bed. It was a one room house. He's waking up the entire place. So he's incredibly persistent incredibly bold to ask for something. And honestly, it's highlighting his need for something that he should have had, right? Some place that he failed. And now he's coming to somebody else, bothering them to deal with his own failure, his own mess up. And Jesus says, In this passage, Jesus goes on to say, so he's highlighting something that everybody listening totally gets. And they're like, oh yeah, that that guy should never have done that. But Jesus says this, he says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Catch this. You have all memorized. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. You've We've all memorized that. We probably teach it to our kids. Have you said it in the context in which it sets in this chapter, in this story, that in this way that Jesus is peeling back and showing us God's heartbeat for his people? You see, this man was willing to get up in the middle of the night, wake up his old family to deal with his neighbor simply because He knew it was the right thing to do. There are many parts of our motherhood that we are ill-prepared for. And maybe the world, everybody else would tell you, you should know how to handle that. You should have prepared that bread ahead of time. There are many parts of our motherhood that are crazy hard and they hit at the most inopportune times. I haven't had a single crisis arise during a season that I thought, you know, this is a good season for a crisis. They're always in the middle of the night, in the hard times, in the times that I have no space, no capacity, and that's where the wheels start to fall off. You see, this is why Jesus tells this story. Because what he is saying to you and to me is that your father in heaven is not like that man in the bed. He's not annoyed and just wanting you to go away so he'll get up and he'll give you some bread that you need. He is way better than we are as evil people, is what he says at the end. He says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him. You see, that's what we're asking for. That's what God welcomes us to run to Him and ask Him all the questions. So God, in that season with me, began to say, Bethany, ask me all of it. Ask me about everything. Run everything through the landscape of a conversation with me. Ask me to pour out my Holy Spirit on you all of his wisdom, all of his counsel, all of his creativity, all of the ways he is the most excellent teacher that has that will ever be. That is the Holy Spirit's role. How much more will your Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? That's what Jesus is saying. Ask, and you will receive. Knock. The door will be opened. Do, do you understand that almost every part of our motherhood We don't have to know any answers. We just need to know the one who does. And we turn and we seek him. Now, in that learning and in that posture and in learning to pray this way, I also learned a beautiful value, which was I can wait for him to teach me. You see, when I was early with potty training some of the first ones, because this was one of the first places that God taught me this was in potty training. I remember writing in my journal, God is in the potty training with exclamation points. And therefore, because I knew when my first little one was two, he was in the potty training. I knew when that child hit college, he was into college. God was into college. And if God was into potty training, God was into helping 
teach children to navigate middle school, helping to teach children how to navigate the world, social media, friendships, pain, loss, suffering, you name it, God was into it. Why? Because he's into potty training. And that's what you and I need to begin to understand. That is his heartbeat towards you and towards me. That is why this prayer journal is written. Because as you work through these 30 days, I believe and I am praying that God will convince you that he really wants to know every bit of your life in a way that you lay it before him. You see, he already knows your life, but he invites you to lay it all before him, to enter into his throne room of grace with confidence, knowing that you will receive the grace and the mercy that you need. That's from Hebrews. We can enter into his throne room of grace with confidence, knowing we will receive what we will need, his mercy for everything that we need, his Holy Spirit to teach us everything we need to do. So I learned the value of waiting and trusting that he will teach me. And he does, and he did. This prayer journal will help you begin that process to begin to learn how to seek him for everything, for your kids to be kind, for your kids to be honest, for your kids to understand who God is, for your kids to see what it means to pray. There's so much that we get to bring before the throne room of grace and lay at his feet and say, teach me this too. Because we have a heavenly father who loves us so deeply. And he will give us his Holy Spirit without a scolding, without a you should know how to handle this. I've told you this already. None of that doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. So the second thing that God taught me was that he was actively listening Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about his invitation just to let it all roll off. And that's exactly what he wants for us. But there's a parable again that Jesus taught about praying. And he said that we should be as persistent in our prayer life as, and he tells a story about this widow who was desperate. She had somebody who was against her. She was desperate for somebody to help her to bring justice to her cause. And so her only option was to go to the judge in her city who was known to be wicked, to be ungodly, to not care about doing what was right. That's how Jesus describes this judge in Luke 18. He says that he was a wicked and ungodly man. And yet that was the only place for this woman to run and seek justice for what she was so desperately needing. And it says, it says in verse three and four that there was a widow that kept begging, give me justice against my adversary. And it says in verse four, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. 
Now, understand, I believed a lie that that was God's posture towards me sometimes. That he was so annoyed with me begging him over the same thing. Or, and sometimes I believe the flip lie of that, which was he's not listening at all to what I am saying. He doesn't care. He's not moving on this. I see no change and I am desperate. Either one of those are lies that in essence deny the truth about God that he says over and over in his word, which is that he is faithful and he has a steadfast love for you and for me. That he is always tuned in. He never leaves us alone. He is always listening. He is always engaged. But the lie attacks that. And it says either he doesn't care at all, he is not listening, or he's so completely annoyed and irritated with you that you would even keep asking that. And there are seasons of our life where we are crying out to God over something in our child's life or maybe a child who is walking away from the Lord or, you know, I don't know what it is for you. And you feel like a broken record saying the same thing over and over in desperation. And maybe you would even be listening to it and you'd be like, you know what, Bethany? I would just take it if God were like that annoyed judge and just said, fine, just to get you to quit asking me, I'm going to give it to you. You quit beating me down about it. But what I really want to get at today and help you understand and why this journal is in print is because I believe that when you sit with this journal and month after month, you cry out the same prayers before God, like this persistent widow over and over, you actually will see God at work. And that will solidify the truth of this, which is what Jesus is teaching in Luke 18 when he follows that story up with the truth which is this, will not God give justice to his people who cry to him day and night? You see, Jesus is inviting us in Luke 18 to always pray and not to lose heart. But he is telling us this parable because he knew that we will. We will struggle in this. So in his mercy towards us, he gives us this beautiful story about it and then lays out the truth, which is your father loves you. He is faithful to you. He has steadfast love for you. He never leaves you. He will answer you. Psalm 66, 19 says, truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Your God listens to you. And so when we're in the thick of a battle, in a hard place, when we feel like the adversary is unovercomable, that's probably not a word. (laughs) Somebody's listening and they're just cringing that I use that word. When we believe that our adversary will not quit against us, And he wants to convince us that God is not listening. You need to remember 
your God listens to your prayers. In fact, he treasures them. He holds them. And then secondly, you need to understand that he is never annoyed. He is never irritated. He is never short-tempered with us when we cry out to him. Instead, Luke 18 says, Jesus says, hey, we want you to be persistent. We want you to pray and not lose heart. That's what we want, right? Because we know Jesus speaks for God. When he walked up this earth, he is like, I say what the, whole, what the Father tells me to say. I do what the Father tells me to do. You and I have a righteous heavenly Father. He is not like this unrighteous judge. And he walks and he is consistent in his steadfast love and his grace towards us. And he says, pray persistently. So when I began to own this parable and I began to come before his throne of grace and say, here I am again, God. Here I am again. It's not happening. I see no changes. I see no movement. I see, I don't see you at work. I am desperate to see you moving and working and caring for this child and changing this heart and making this circumstance better and healing this. Show me you at work. When I begin to write it in my journal and return to these truths and hold up these scriptures before him and be like the persistent widow, I began to see God at work. And no, sometimes the work didn't look the way I wanted it to work. You know, we don't know what the persistent widow was asking for. She may have been asking for a beatdown against her adversary, and she may not have gotten that. But what we know about the God that we serve is that what he will do will be good. It will be good for us, and it will be for his glory. And we will see it because our prayers will begin to shift. And our prayers are shifting because God is at work, moving, and engaging in the situations that we are persistently interceding for. So I want you to understand this as we finish today talking about prayer. My desire is that these episodes will begin to whet your appetite to pray, to pray differently than you've ever prayed before, to say, I want to taste of that kind of a relationship with God. I want to know that he is working in my child's life, in each of my child's lives, however your family structure looks. The truth is that this prayer journal, these truths that you pray for your children, you can pray for anybody. This way of praying is for whomever you desire to pray this way for. It's not locked into just praying for our kids, but I want to come alongside of you like a close friend with my arm around your shoulder and walk with you and say, listen, let's pray this way together. Let's begin to change the way we approach God. Because in that, what we will recognize about God is that He is awesome and He is loving and He is kind. 
but he is holy. That we can walk into his throne room of grace with confidence because he sent Jesus to open that door to welcome us inside. That we can trust that the Holy Spirit will give us everything we need to know because it's part of his grace. It's part of the gospel story. And that God will, more than anything, when we, when we pray, when we humble ourselves, when we sit before him, when we cry out on, on our children's behalf, on our behalf, and we hold up God's word, God is faithful to meet us there. He delights in bringing glory to his name. And when we are humble before him and we are seeking to bring glory to his name, we are in the right posture before God. Oh, my friend, I am praying that you will begin to want to pray intentionally for your children because I believe more than anything else, that is what is required for this next generation. The only way to speak out over them, God's grace and his goodness and his love for them, is to be praying it over them. So it does us no good if we're just saying it and we're not connected to the one who gives it. And the way we connect with God is we pray. I am praying for you. I am praying that the word of God will dwell richly in you that it will be what you speak about along the way as you walk with your child, as you rise, as you go to bed at night, that it will be what you will speak over them. It will be like your bread and your manna and that your prayer life with God will be deep and intimate and rich, that you will be forever changed. As always, you can reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me at bethanykimsey.com. Co. If you want to find the prayer journals, you can find me at bethanykimsey.com for other resources as well. But I want you to know more than anything, I am praying that God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus Christ, will make you want to know Him more every day, and that that will spill over into the generation of little people who live in your home. Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other Warrior Mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama Podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, and of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.